It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast is brought to you by the MLB app. Yankees baseball is always live with the MLB app. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download the MLB app today. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. It is our first episode of 2021. I am John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor of Yankees Magazine. Joining me right now, we have our editor-in-chief, Al Sanasiri. Hello, everybody, and Happy New Year. What's going on, Al? We also have our executive editor, Nathan Makaborski. Hello, everybody. What is up? In our second segment, in a little bit, we're going to have MLB.com's Brian Hoke to talk about what he's doing to get ready for the season, which will include this coming June, another book that he has coming out, which looks back at really just the weirdness of playing baseball in a pandemic and certainly covering baseball in a pandemic. That's called The Bronx Zoom. You can look for it in June, and I hope you'll stick around to hear our interview with Brian. But first, guys... You know, we're we're on the other side. We're we're into 2021. Uh, we've had the college football championship game. We have the NFL playoffs going on. We're kind of at that time of year when we're all supposed to be, uh, you know, starting to think about warm weather in Tampa and getting better. And what we do this time of year is we start preparing our magazines, and that's what we're doing this year. We are preparing our magazines for when baseball comes back. What do you guys think? How, how's it going for you? It's going well. You know, I'm I've remained optimistic and I think talked to share that optimism on this podcast over certainly over the last couple of months. And I still am optimistic that um, the days ahead are going to be better, excited and, and obviously feel good that um, we have a vaccine. And I think that will play, uh, you know, or pay major dividends in, in what becomes of the major league baseball season. Um, it might not, you know, right off the bat, so to speak, but I think it will ultimately and this is always a, a time of year for me, and I think it is for you guys as well. It's very reinvigorating. You are working so hard on so many stories and so many news briefs and just, just so many different components that go into our spring training program or spring issue of Yankees Magazine, our yearbook. And so it's a lot of writing, a lot of editing, a lot of you know corresponding with you guys and really fine-tuning you know the content that's going to be in these great publications where we, we had these really robust conversations about cover ideas for the yearbook. And, you know, all those things make me feel good and make me feel excited about baseball, make me excited about working for the Yankees and uh, the 2021 season, which like, you know, so many seasons before it represents a chance for our team to, um, to get to the playoffs and, and hopefully win a championship. So it's, it's an exciting time. You know, Nate, I'm really curious from your perspective because 
we we did it three times last year. We made magazines three times in this weird world of producing content where we're not in clubhouses, we're not doing anything. You know, and, and then we had a good five month break or whatever, however much a four month break to before we had to really start you know, thinking about creating magazines again for 2021. What are some things that you personally took from last year that, you know, whether philosophically or practically are going to change how you conceive of stories this year or think of ways to present stories uh, in a year when we just don't know when we're going to be in the clubhouses, if we're going to be in the clubhouses, or if it's going to be the same way it was last year? Look, I think what we do is... A, uh, a nice diversion a lot of times for people. I mean, I'm, it's no, no secret that there's a lot of, uh, you know, tough times going on for a lot of people. And, you know, I want people when they get that Yankees magazine in their, in their mailbox to, you know, just be, have their mind go to a, a fun place, you know, a place that means so much to all of us, uh, which is Yankees baseball. So, you know, when I'm thinking of story ideas or, or, you know, working on the stories that we've uh, planned out for the first few issues. It's kind of with that in mind, you know, just trying to be fun and, and light and remind people of uh, what it is that we're all missing and how special it is and how great it's going to feel to be back once we are back in Yankee Stadium. That's such a great point because I know I'm so of two minds in some ways because, in a sense, what I want from someone reading one of my stories in Yankees Magazine is for them not necessarily to realize the behind-the-scenes difficulties and how how it came about. I want it to read like a normal story that I write. On the other hand, I, I, I just so sincerely hope that I don't take it upon myself in this coming year, as I kind of did last year, to try to demonstrate what it was like to be at Yankee Stadium, because I hope that that's not such a novel idea of what it's like to be at Yankee Stadium. I hope that fans are there, too, this year, and that they don't have to get that sense from writers like the three of us. So, yeah, it, it's hard, though. I, I, I know, I mean, you guys know the stories that I'm working on, the you know, pipe dream stories that I'm working on and also the obvious and easy ones. And I'm really trying anytime that I am approaching a player or approaching a player's agent. Yeah, sure. I want to talk about the workouts and I want to talk about just the off season and normal things that we normally want to do with baseball players. But, you know, I also just want to know what's been different for them this year. I want to make sure that we're acknowledging that, I mean, going back a year almost that nothing's been normal, but certainly this has been a completely strange off season. I've never been home this much as I have in the last year, but certainly in an off season, I'm used to traveling stories that I can use over the course of the whole year. And that was just such an obvious non-factor this year that I'm curious how that same attitude came from the player side too. And not just guys, whether they're in Florida or New York or in Texas, but I want to talk to guys who are in Colombia. I want to talk to guys who are in Venezuela. I want to hear what their experiences were in ways that, you know, might be very different from what our readers saw themselves. I agree with you, John. I mean, the first thing for me that's, you know, kind of uh, became obvious is, you know, normally the ratio of, of uh, in-person interviews that I do or you do or Nathan does to phone interviews or in this day and age, Zoom interviews, you know, was usually like, <laughs> I don't even know, 10 to one seems to be understating it. I think almost every interview I did over the last couple of years leading into 2020 was was in person. And, and, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able, like you, to travel to do stories with players and do things the way that I want to do them like that. So, 
you know, obviously there's that shift. You know, I did an interview in just a little while ago for our spring publication and the spring training program with Luke Voigt uh, for a QA, and a you know, our, our home run champion. And it was exciting and it was fun. Obviously, it wasn't exciting, as exciting or as fun as it would have been doing it in person, doing it, you know, over Zoom. He and I laughed because his dog at some point started barking and my dog heard it and he started barking at him. And it was like, you know, that's the anecdote you you kind of like share with your your wife after after the interview, not, you know, the great steakhouse that you had dinner with Luke Voigt at or something like that. It's, you know, things a little bit more simple, you know. <laughs> Look, we are deep into working on our spring magazine, which is also our spring training magazine. What happens at the same time as that is we spend a lot of time, you know, January, February, March, for that matter, during spring training, usually thinking about the whole year in front of us and kind of all, all the things that we can get done now that would be good, make for good stories, maybe in our July issue, maybe in our August issue or our yearbook, which comes out around opening day. And I think that it's hard this year, at least for me. And, I, and I'm wondering if you guys are having some of the same challenges as I try to look forward this year. It's very easy to understand that whatever happens between now and I mean, whatever you want to say, the first spring training game is when our spring magazine comes out the world's not going to look that much different than it does today. But I don't know what I want to write about the world for something that someone's going to read in September, you know? So so that that makes me question how I write and how I conceive of stories for the yearbook, which is something that we're producing now in one world that hopefully someone at Yankee Stadium, because hopefully someone will be at Yankee Stadium in September, is going to be purchasing when it's a again, hopefully, a very different world. And these are never considerations that I've really had to make in my life as a baseball writer. But it's challenging. It's, it's challenging. It's interesting. But it's it's difficult. Yeah, well, you know, the, the one thing that uh, we're fortunate to be able to lean on working for the Yankees is that, you know, we have such a rich history. And there's so many wonderful stories and wonderful players that we can always go back and and kind of uncover things that haven't been told in a long time or ever. Obviously people want to read about the current team and I get that. And we, you know, most of the stuff we write is, is on the current team, but um, you know, I think when we're able to weave in some of the rich history that's there, you know, it's an effective way to kind of, like I was saying earlier, just remind ourselves of, you know, why we love what we do and why we love Yankees baseball. That's such a great point. And that's something that I think as I've been thinking about this year, that is something that I'm totally trying to lean into is trying to figure out you know, if for me last year, my main goal was to try to tell what baseball looked like in 2020. I think, you know, a, a big part of what I want to try to do this year, and you can check back with me in October if I succeeded in it or not, is to take the small things that are happening day to day and try to figure out more historical context for them than maybe I necessarily tend to do in my storytelling. I think that I'm more narrative in some ways in terms of the stories that I like to tell and write. I'm not always the person who is researching the historical comps for what I'm seeing on a day-to-day basis. And I think that that's just something I'm going to need to be doing more this year because as you just pointed out, Nate, there's more access to information right now than there is to players. Makes a lot of sense. You know, the biggest struggle that I feel is is just, you know, you guys know me also kind of to be a creature of habit. You know, I like to spend time with players when players have time to spend with me. A lot of that takes place in spring training. You kind of, you know, it's easy to bank on those times because, you know, we can 
spring training could yield three, four, five really good stories with access that you might not get, you know, when things get busy and more important, I guess you could say, games get more important. Again, with the uncertainty, it's, you know, it's shifting the approach to, you know, knowing that when the season starts, you know, I'm not going to be feeling probably as good about the stories that I already have in the hopper. I'd like to think that might still happen, but it probably won't. And, and so, you know, you have to do more in New York and maybe do more, you know, on the road with the team um, and give it kind of a different angle, give, give the stories a different angle, you know, in those ways. Um, for me personally, that's something I'm just preparing to do because I think it might be necessary. And I think there's some relevance between what you're saying there, Al, and uh, forgive me or maybe wave me off if I shouldn't be saying this. I think I think it connects to the cover that we're currently working on for our spring magazine, which, look, I mean, you can go back through the years and, and usually if you look at that magazine, what we're trying to highlight there is what we've added in the offseason and something new. And, you know, if if things continue with the plan that we have for this cover right now, it's actually going to be about something we lost in, in the last year. And it's difficult because, you know, we just turned the page over to 2021, and I'm not trying to compare what happened to the baseball world and the Yankees family to what happened to the world as a whole. But, you know, I have I did see reported that there were seven Hall of Famers that died last year, which is the greatest number in a single year. And the amazing thing about that is... I mean, you, you you can argue that every Hall of Famer is obviously in his own class to begin with. But if you look at the actual names this year, it's, you know, Tom Seaver, it's Bob Gibson. And of course, as it impacts us most, it's Whitey Ford. And these aren't just guys who found their way into the Hall of Fame. These are the elite of the elite. And it's sobering to be editing some of the stuff we're editing right now about the members of the Yankees family we've lost, whether they're someone like Whitey Ford, who... Obviously, everything about him goes without saying, or if it's someone like Bob Oliver, who I know more because of his son, Darren, and I didn't even know that Bob Oliver had spent any time with the Yankees and, you know, just editing something about that just earlier this afternoon, it was pretty jarring to see some of some of the stuff and it's been hard it's, it's been a very difficult process of going through all this stuff and, and thinking about this stuff and just yeah when we were coming around new year's and right before new year's when phil negro passed and it was just you know another hall of famer it's just it's the stuff that we've edited so far i'll put it this way it hasn't been the uh happy-go-lucky stories that we're used to in yankees publications it's been, it's been some difficult stuff yeah i think in a way it unfortunately it, it it's i mean you, you never call seven Hall of Famers passing in one year a microcosm of anything because it's clearly monumental in its own right. But when, you know, the world has lost so many more people than that and so many great people, you know, during a pandemic, the likes of which we've never seen, certainly not these three people, you know, but really not really any people that are alive. You know, it, it almost is a microcosm of 2020. In, at the same point in baseball, it's, it's a devastating series of losses, and for the Yankees, obviously, as well, with you know, with one of the all-time greats. I have to say, Al, you just made me think of something. I, my son, who's eight years old, he's been very fascinated lately, especially because so much of his school is online this year. He's been very fascinated this year with the idea that we didn't have the internet 
when I was his age. And he's, and he's always, he's always asking questions. Like he'll see something, but watch an old like TV show or cartoon. And he doesn't understand how it was made. How could that have been made without the internet? And I have to explain to him, you know, that the world existed and people did things like this before the internet. And I think it was last week. He asked me, how did you handle homeschooling during a pandemic when you didn't have the internet? Yeah, just like Ethan, man. Like, <laughs> there's so many things about this that I can't explain to you. But this pandemic isn't something that has happened, you know, every ten years or something like that. This is—I have not experienced this in my life before. Grandma and grandpa have not experienced this in their life before. We're we're all we're all learning this together, man. This isn't like uh, I don't ha- I can't tell you how they did this without the internet because I certainly didn't do this without the internet. I think it's a it, I, that's a fascinating anecdote it, because. You know, you see the the way that it's soaked in or perceived by a child. It's 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 really interesting. And you know, it'll be really interesting too. Is you know, someday, many many years from now, when our kids have kids and have grandchildren, and they get to kind of tell them about this, it'll be almost unbelievable to them. I think about that a lot. But when you think about the you know the Hall of Famers who were lost and the people that were lost, you know, a pandemic will um, I don't know it'll it'll change the way time goes by and passes because the time is just so very, very different. Yeah, it's definitely uh, skewed our, our sense of time. And there were so many instances last year when my muscle memory as an editor was thrown off because there would be months like June and July when we would normally be just in the thick of the middle of a baseball season and nothing was happening. It was so strange. And then even into the off season, you know, every, December for 10 years, we were, you know, in the thick of working on the pinstripe bowl program. And then that didn't happen. But uh, back to your original point on this podcast, Al, now that January 1st has hit, uh, even though we're not back at Yankee Stadium, and we're all kind of uh, working, you know, over zoom and computers and stuff like that. It definitely does feel like a normal January in that there's like more work than I have hours in the day to do. And you know, I'm thinking about it constantly when I'm laying down on the pillow at night. I'm like, oh, man, I got to do this, this and this first thing tomorrow. And um, it, it feels good. You know, what? you know, I like being that busy and I like having uh, these publications to look forward to. And um, I'm sure we'll get more into our our issues as publication dates come come closer. But uh, I'm really excited for for our readers to, to see what we've got in the works. Man, Nate, you are not kidding. It January fourth came and it was it was like a starting gun. Yeah, <laughs> over over in this corner of the Schwartz household, and I mean, people might have noticed last week and really this week, it has not exactly been quiet on the national news front, and yet it has just been like, nope, no time for this right now. I literally like I have so much stuff just just piling up on my desk, and that's not really a feeling I had for most of the last year. I was busy certainly, but this is all of a sudden just like, oh my god, like it, this is. You know, a month before spring training, busy, and uh, it, it, in a way, it's nice. I, I have to agree with you guys. I always say that I, I, I get the worst night of sleep that I get over the course of the whole year, the Sunday night after New Year's, but before we kind of really get back into it. And you know, for for this year, that was January third, I guess. The reason that's such a bad night of sleep is because in my mind, I can't fall asleep, first of all, because all I'm thinking about is all the things that I have to do essentially over the next two or three months. And for whatever reason, as I'm trying to fall asleep, I'm, I'm almost negotiating with myself what I can get done the next day. 
And then you get through that next day and you hopefully you have a productive day, but you realize, oh, wait, I wasn't going to do it all in one day. And that's OK. And then you, you kind of start to pace yourself a little bit. Well, pace ourselves, we shall. Guys, why don't we uh, drop this one there? Obviously, I hope everyone will stick with us because the interview with Brian Hoke about his book, The Bronx Zoom, the book touches on some of the topics that we were just talking about. So I think you guys will find that conversation interesting. I hope you will. So stick with us. We will be back. Al, Nate, speak to you guys soon. Sounds good. Thanks, John. Hi, this is Aaron Boone. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. Deep to left. Yastrzemski will not get his home run. A three-run home run for Buckington. The Yankees now lead it by a score of 3-2. Hey, folks. It's Bucky Dent. I'm proud to be part of a new podcast on Yankees Magazine Podcast Network called Deep to Left with Bucky Dent. Every other Tuesday, we'll bring you a new episode chatting about great moments from Yankee history with some of my best friends from a career in the game. We'll look at what's happening with the current team, share some memories, and no surprise, we'll even discuss a little homer I hit one credible day in Fenway Park. Download Deep to Left with Bucky Dent at yankees.com slash podcast or at the podcast app of your choice. Can't wait to speak with you soon. This episode is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription also includes the MLB app Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball with your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. As promised, I'm here with Florida man Brian Hoke. Brian, how you doing? <laughs> I'm not ready to say that yet. I'm still a New Yorker at heart. But uh, yeah, no, it, uh, I'm doing great, John. How are you? I'm great. Brian, of course, is the Yankees beat writer for MLB.com, uh, a, a real wordsmith, lately a published author. He has two books currently out. And Brian, you have another one coming in June. Yes, uh, the new book will be called The Bronx Zoom. And that is coming out on June 8th, just in time for Father's Day. And it's a, a peek behind the curtain at a year that I think all of us can agree that we hope we never experience again. The 2020 baseball season painted against a pandemic, painted against the, uh, the social justice movement and this wacky, wild uh, presidential election. But there was just so much going on last year, beginning with signing of Derek Cole and then going into a season that none of us could have ever seen coming with the uh, the coronavirus and and actually playing 60 games against that uh, that backdrop that uh, it really did seem like we were witnessing something historic and um, I, I thought that there was definitely enough there that could uh, you could tell that story in a book so that's what we uh, aim to do I haven't read this book yet I haven't seen any copies of it for all I know it, you haven't finished it I mean I think we need to be be ready for the fact maybe, maybe brian it's just terrible who knows <laughs> what a sales pitch wow <laughs> i have a hunch it's pretty good and the reason i'm saying that is first off i think you're a very good writer secondly so often you see these books that are we we entered the season looking to write a book in search of a story or we 
rapidly at the end of a historic season try to turn around and turn it into a book Mm -hmm. the 2020 baseball season and particularly with all the different things that happened around the yankees in 2020 it's just such a rich topic for a book that when we were talking about it a little bit yesterday i mean i'm not gonna lie there was a part of me that was just like oh that's so good that's just such a it's such a good idea to try to calcify in a sense how crazy the experience of observing, covering, writing about baseball was last year. Because like you said, yeah, there's the part that we hope we never experience it again. But it's just so different from anything we've ever done before that it's great that there is going to be this book that exists to you know go on bookshelves and tell the story of what this was. Well, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to kind of chronicle it and in a lot of ways give voice to these players because we did get to talk to them every day on Zoom, and um, but it was completely different than anything. And, and they were coming to the ballpark every day and doing their saliva test uh, before they, they could actually even go in the clubhouse. And uh, obviously they played in front of empty ballparks and uh, they never had to deal with people like you and I, John, coming into their space in the clubhouse. So they were actually, in a lot of ways, I think, think this Yankee team and probably the other 29 teams around the league as well were a lot tighter than your usual baseball team because if you think about the way that we operated through the pandemic and uh, especially early when everybody was in their little bubbles and they were baking bread and watching Tiger King and getting on TikTok and, and whatever people were doing these ball players were trying to figure out how the heck to get ready for a season that they didn't know when it was going to begin. Then it was hurry, hurry, hurry. We're going to, all right, we're going to get it going. Uh, Oh, by the way, we're not going to go to Tampa. Let's relocate summer camp to New York. And we're going to rush in three and a half weeks to get a regular season going. And then they wind up opening up um, July 23rd in Washington, D.C. to start this season that I'm going to be honest with you, it did not look like that season was going to get finished. And especially one of the chapters in the book, Uh, is kind of that lost weekend when the team is in Philadelphia and um, the Marlins had their outbreak and it it appeared that it was going to ruin the Phillies roster too. And so the Yankees are just sitting at the Four Seasons Hotel in Philadelphia waiting for instructions. And, you know, for a baseball team, you're always one day ahead. All right, turn the page, go to the next game. We know who we're going to play tomorrow. We know who's pitching. We know who is going to be on the field. And then suddenly that was just all completely upside down. And, you know, a few guys said that when they were in Philadelphia that weekend, they thought the season was doomed. They thought that was it. Um, They were going to go home in a week or two. And obviously that didn't happen. And it wound up going into this weird postseason where they played in Cleveland in an empty ballpark and then uh, wound up sharing a hotel in San Diego to play the Tampa Bay Rays which made completely no sense on a lot of levels. But the baseball part of it, we all saw. We were all able to watch that, at least, if we were not able to to be at the ballpark. But I think what was going on behind the scenes and how the players were dealing with not seeing their families and and not even being able to go out in some cases for as much as a Starbucks latte. I think that those are the things that I really wanted to chronicle and tell because, uh, like I said, it was a season unlike any we've ever seen before. So we'll get to that some of that stuff soon. And of course, you know, the book again, the Bronx Zoom comes out June 8th. So we'll have plenty of time to talk about this before when when it's closer to, Mm -hmm. you know, actual publication date. But one thing that I'm so curious about just and maybe this is very inside baseball for people who are just listening to this. But one thing to know about being on the baseball beat is that it's incredibly enterprising. There are very few press conferences for players in most of the actual real reporting you do in baseball. It's stuff that doesn't really have to do with what happened in tonight's game or anything like that. 
obviously this year was so different. And, and, and I'll be very candid when I say this, that it was especially different for those of us at Yankees Magazine, because we, we are affiliated with the Yankees, and therefore, you know, we had to be extremely sensitive to things about uh, the players' privacy and everything like that. You know, we, we weren't doing any real enterprising reporting this year. It was all the Zoom calls. What were you doing in those hours outside of uh, those Zoom calls in order to both tell, tell the stories over the course of the season, but also get stuff for this book that wasn't just from those Zoom calls? Yeah, it was incredibly difficult. And I, I would say that I didn't really kick uh, the book reporting into high gear until we actually found out there was going to be a season. You know, if, if the season shut down in um, you know, August 1st, and there, there's no book there. But um, so I, I think that once it became clear that they were going to get to the finish line on this season, that was when things kind of started crystallizing in my mind. And I thought that this was more than just a failed 20 game season or whatever we thought it might be. And so that was kind of when I started exploring the idea of a book more. But you're right in that um, covering this team. One of the great things about baseball is the access that it gives to the players and the fact that we can actually build relationships and get to know these guys. And, you know, I'll, I'll use Garrett Cole as a perfect example. I didn't know Garrett before he signed with the Yankees. And, you know, the, the first day he had the press conference in New York City, um, and this is all in the book, but, um, you know, I got to meet him for the first time and we shook hands, but that's not enough to build a relationship on. And so in spring training, we, we started to talk a little bit and, you know, here and there, you, you start to joke around with a guy and get to know him a little bit. And, oh, you're, you're about to have a baby. Congratulations. I've got two of my own at home. And then you, you kind of, um, you can kind of connect on a more personal level rather than, Hey, why did you throw this fastball in this count? Or, you know, what were you thinking when you, when that guy hit the home run off you, you know, those are questions that I guess need to be asked during the regular season, but they're not going to really set you apart from the crowd. And so, so much of baseball, I think, is taking advantage of that access that we have in the clubhouse pre and post game, mostly pre game, um, you know, because post game is more business like in a clubhouse. But then uh, March 12 happens and baseball pauses. And I didn't know at that point that that was the last time that I was going to be behind the scenes in the clubhouse or, you know, even allowed down on the field, you know, because that's a lot of, that's a big part of baseball too, is just watching batting practice from the field. And we weren't able to do that at all. And so with Garrett, for example, I feel like our relationship paused on March 12 and, and the same with a lot of the other players on this team. And, um, you know, I, I'm so thankful that Garrett agreed to write the forward for the book because, you know, I, I think he he saw me on Zoom a lot, but <laughs> we were kind of in it together and we didn't uh, we didn't get to build our relationship past March 12. So credit to him. Thank you for that. I, I, I He did a great job on it. But I, I think that covering baseball in a pandemic was incredibly hard. And I think that uh, we're, we're all hopeful that 2021, at some point, we can go back to some semblance of normalcy in a lot of respects. Look, on our first segment today, and also really all the time right now, all we're talking about is just how do we get back to storytelling? You know, again, Yankees Magazine doesn't have, you know, a daily edition where we need to get in the results of last night's game. So for us, everything is about that pregame time and trying to build relationships with these guys and figure out how to get them to trust us to tell their stories in different ways than they might see everywhere else. And 
I'll be frank. I'm nervous, man, because it's hard. It was it, it was hard last year, but unfor- not fortunately. Unfortunately, we only had a few magazines we had to deal with, and a lot of the stuff we had already banked from the previous off season. It's gonna be tough this year, and I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how we do it because I do like challenges, and I do think we rise to challenges. And, and this is no knock on those who do write daily game coverage, but we can't rely on that for Yankees magazine. You know, we need to figure out ways to get a little deeper. And I think that I hope our readers agree we did a good job last year with just Zoom calls to rely on in terms of getting some in-depth stories, but it's it's hard. It's not, it, 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 you know, it's always a job. It's never as fun as people want to believe it is to cover baseball, but it was it's really hard last year and I'm nervous it's going to be hard again this year. Well, that's why I, you know, and just in terms of this book, I, um, we, we know what the final scores were. We knew when the Yankees won 10 in a row and all that. And, and they went in their tailspin and, and it, like, I don't, I didn't need to retell the story of the 2020 Yankee season so much as I wanted to tell the story of the guys who were on the 2020 Yankees and how they coped with playing ball in the prism of this kind of in this global pandemic. And, um, you know, for example, Zach Britton, when he packed up for summer camp, that was the last time he would see his family uh, until the end of the American League Division Series. He left them at home in Texas. And I, I know that Jay Happ was in a similar situation. That was a, the deal for a lot of guys. It was a FaceTime. It was very lonely in, in a lot of ways for for these guys. And um, I, I, as I mentioned earlier, they bonded as a unit because they were stuck together, traveling together in their own bubble. Like there, there was nobody else that they could go hang out with. It wasn't like they could go out to restaurants when the team was in uh, Philadelphia or DC. I mean, they, they were very restricted on what they could do properly. They traveled together on the buses and they were spaced out. It was, uh, it, you didn't have the, the riotous plane rides where guys would play cards and joke around. It was uh, every guy had their own row on a plane and they had to, you know, sit in the middle seat. And if there was somebody across the row for, or the aisle from them, uh, they had to put their mask up. If uh, you know, they could only bring their mask down to eat. And if the other person was eating, you couldn't eat and you could only get up to go to the bathroom. There was so much, that was, um, you know, <laughs> it was really a pain in the butt, as, as uh, you know, I think Luke Voigt told me. It, it, the whole season was kind of a pain in the butt in, in a lot of ways. But um, the Yankees did a great job of trying to make it as tolerable as possible for these guys. Um, a lot of them have told me about um, they would set up these kind of game rooms in the hotels. And in a lot of cases, the Yankees had these hotels completely themselves. And so there were game rooms set up where guys could go play table tennis or pop a shot or they maybe they would have an old video game arcade uh, kind of console there that they could actually play against each other um when they were in dc garrett cole and brett gardner uh sprung for a big team dinner the night after opening day so the, the guys were getting together and, and watching sports they from a safe distance as much as they could you know brett gardner was the shark on the table tennis uh he was he was the guy that everybody was trying to beat and nobody could um and, and Gardy also played his usual pranks i know he was torturing tyler wade a lot of the year and uh, we've got some of those stories in there too so we tried to have some fun t- telling the behind the scenes stories of this year which let's be honest was not fun for a whole lot of reasons but um you know i, I think that these guys are finely tuned professional athletes. They're creatures of habit in a lot of way. And this is this season was what happens when um, that kind of habit just gets turned completely upside down and nobody knows what is going to come the next day. I'm so looking forward to seeing the book. I haven't seen it yet. I'm sure that you're still deep in the process of 
figuring out what the answers are to some of these questions I'm even asking you before it's ready for publication. But I'm curious, when you look at the guys on the roster, who were the guys who really helped you gain an insight into that stuff that wasn't being able to be seen or that wasn't being talked about in the Zoom calls? Who were the guys who really let you into just the mindset around the team? Right. Uh, You know, I think that when they were in the season, when they were on Zoom, they were so focused on the next nine innings and, and just doing what they could do. So I think it wasn't until the year was over and, you know, I let them breathe for a little while. I, I didn't hit them up the day after the American league division series to say, all right, Hey, let's talk about that. Um, uh, so uh, Zach Britton was probably the MVP just as far as the way he handled this entire year. I mean, he pitched great too. And, and like, I don't want to <laughs> discount that, but, um, just as far as Zach told me that this was the closest he felt to having an office job in baseball, because if you remember, he used the team, the player rep on the team. So when things are going south in, in March and the pandemic is raging and everybody's asking questions, uh, Zach was basically the conduit between the Yankees, between the MLB PA, between MLB kind of playing traffic cop here, getting all these emails coming in. Um, his teammates are asking him what, what's going on. Should we stay in Florida? Should I go home? Um, uh, and then as the pandemic goes on, guys were asking, Hey, are, are we going to play this year? What's happening? Like I got bills to pay. I think that there was so much uncertainty and, and Zach really went above and beyond, you know, everything that could have been anticipated from him. I, I so many guys said that they gained respect for, for Zach, just as terms of a teammate, as a leader in that clubhouse. And uh, the Yankees were very fortunate to have him. I, I think that that, is, that definitely played into their the, the team's decision to pick up his option, or at least kind of took away any hesitation of doing that. And because um, he was just a quality guy in that clubhouse, really made an impact um, both on the field and off the field. And uh, if he wasn't there, I'm not sure who would have picked up that slack for this team because he did such a great job at it that um, it was almost seamless in a lot of ways for the other players on the team. They could kind of relax and just say, okay, all right, here are the rules. Here's what I have to do now with my saliva test. I got to make sure I'm wearing my mask behind in the clubhouse, but I can forget about the rest of this stuff because Zach's got it. I don't think this is a surprise. This is a challenging time right now between management and the players uh, around the league. But it was it's worth pointing out how at the end of last season in the farewell press conferences and all that, you know, with Cashman, Boone, all those guys went out of their way to point out the job that Britain had done. When we're talking in that that chapter that I mentioned earlier about when the team is stranded in Philadelphia and they're kind of weighing their options as far as should we go back to Yankee Stadium? Should we stay in this Philadelphia home uh, hotel for a third day? And then on the fly that afternoon, they say, hey, you know, the Orioles series against the Marlins just got canceled. Um, The Orioles are available. They'll play us tomorrow at Camden Yards if we can get there. And then the Yankees hold a meeting in in this, uh, you know, fantastic ballroom atop the, the Four Seasons Hotel, and they unanimously vote, okay, let's go play the Orioles. But it's not that easy. You, it, it's not like, you know, when we were kids, John, and you just say, all right, the guys down the street want to play wiffle ball. Let's grab our bat. <laughs> like, you got to – these uh, – they do not spin on a dime, baseball teams. Um, you have to – it's more like an ocean liner turning. And so in the span of a few hours, Tulevitz had to figure out, all right, how do we get 
our players safely on the buses? How do we get our equipment to Baltimore? It's only, what, a 90-minute drive? Maybe it's two hours, but um, it, it is a Herculean effort to get a baseball team from Philadelphia to Baltimore with no notice. And so they, they rode the buses down there. They were on the field at Camden Yards. They worked out. They were able to find a hotel, fortunately. Well, I guess not fortunately because of the pandemic, but, um, you know, because business travel is was so scarce at that time, the hotel was available and they were happy to have, um, you know, 75 rooms for the Yankees just on a whim. But um, it, with all the regulations that MLB had and um, it, it wasn't as easy as it would have been, say, in 2019, if the Yankees had to go play the Orioles for a playoff game or whatever, um, it, there were a lot of extra considerations. And so it was tough for, for Ben in a lot of ways. So he, he's the MVP. And I'll be honest, Brian, uh, Maybe maybe it's the cynical side of me or whatever, but you know there was always that part that was like better left unsaid by me during the year, which is you know is it good that they're doing this? Should they be doing this? And you would think about you know being in the hotels and all the people who had to work in the hotels. And one point that Ben made during the very rare traveling secretary press conference that happened immediately following that was that moment when they checked into the hotel. And all these workers who had been basically out of work and hadn't been expected mm-hmm. to be working at all, and and had were staring down, you know, their livelihoods in a sense, wondering what was next for them. You know, suddenly the Yankees are coming to town, which means they get to work. And, mm-hmm. and he saw that far far be it from you know feeling like they were creating a problem or anything like that. He just like they were the smiles they were getting from these guys and the grace and gratitude they were getting for the ability to work again. That's something that stuck with me. And, you know, you don't want to sugarcoat anything. Obviously, it was a dangerous situation all around, but I hadn't considered that side of it of just, you know, these weird things that happened this year, but also allowing, you know, people to get back to work in some ways. That was a uh, look. I mean, the fact is there were a lot of people, you know, because of the baseball season, you know, people on the TV side, people on the media side, you know, it, it was hard. And I know that there were people out there who liked to make the argument that we were rooting against the season or anything like that. I mean, you know, couldn't be farther from the truth. I, I don't, I never get that argument about, Oh, what well, you just don't want the season to happen. Like I cover baseball for a living. This is what I do. I want them to play every game possible. I want them to play 162 and, and go to game seven of the world series. If I can, um, you know, I want to, I want to be able to tell these stories. And so, yeah, I never got that about, I mean, there was real concern. I think that that's the thing is that, you know, when, when we would raise kind of questions about, all right, how is this going to work exactly? Um, none of us have ever been through this. This is a once in a century pandemic. And so, um, you know, I think it was fair to ask the questions of how is this exactly going to work? And then a lot of people would say, oh, you, you just don't want this to happen. Well, that could not be further from the truth. But, um, you know, I, I wanted it to happen. I wanted it to happen safely. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's an important thing that I wanted to get across in the book and um, that hopefully people recognize is that this was not easy to pull off for for anybody for major league baseball for for the teams to get to the world series and remember they had a long run uh, i think it was something more than 50 days straight where nobody in mlb had tested positive for the coronavirus it was measures they took with the masks and the social distancing it it worked and the yankees really had no problems with it after a couple of guys you know, LeMahieu had it early and, and Sessa, uh, but that was prior to summer camp. And then Chapman um, arrived in summer camp and then he, sh- he started showing symptoms. So part of me, I mean, we'll never know for sure. Part of me thinks that that came from when Chappie was down in Miami and then he may have traveled to New York. But regardless, once they locked it down and got in that bubble, so to speak, and, and they were taking care of everything every day and the players 
you know, credit to them too, because it was not easy. I mean, I know they played a ton of video games and they, they said that it was fine to go back to their apartments and hotels and, and be kind of alone, but there must've been temptations to, to get out there. And uh, especially when you go to a place like Florida, where the rules were more lax than say in New York, um, you know, there must've been temptation to go and see friends and family. And uh, the fact that they really kind of locked it in, that was one thing Aaron judge said was said, fellas, you know, um, this is four months, lock it in. You can go out to restaurants, you can chew sunflower seeds, do whatever when the season is over. But right now the focus is to, win games on the field, go win a World Series. And, and that was one of uh, judges. He said that early, late in summer camp, right before the regular season started. And uh, the guys really did stick to that. Well, I, I can't say enough how much I'm looking forward to checking out this book. And we've spoken in the past about, well, even though I was around for much of the 2009 season, how many of the stories that I just had no idea about that I found in yours and uh, Mark Feinstein's book. So it is extremely exciting to get to Take a look at this stuff again, and you know I, I can't wait to read it. Brian, congratulations on all the work you've already put into the Bronx Zoom, and I know we can't wait to see it when it comes out on June 8th. Everyone can go to Amazon right now or any other bookstore that they like and pre-order it. I hope you will. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. And right now we have Brian's favorite part of the podcast all the time when I get to read a long, long list of uh, goodbyes here. So let me tell you, after this nice long conversation we just had about Brian's new book, I'd also love to direct you to Deep to Left with Bucky Dent, our newest podcast that Bucky hosts. Each episode features conversations with former teammates and other greats from the game's history. And we talk about Yankees baseball and so much great stuff. You should definitely check it out. If you're not subscribed, what are you waiting for? We're available wherever you listen to your podcast or at yankees.com slash podcast. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. You can even send us your thoughts over email podcast at yankees.com. And for Yankees Magazine subscribers, we're so grateful for your help in keeping everything going for us. If you're looking to renew your subscription or to start a new one, there's no better time than right now because we have extended our incredible holiday offers, which include things like free tickets, commemorative magazines, you name it. You can even buy a package that includes the ability to participate in a segment on a future episode of this podcast, which is pretty cool. So call 800-GO-YANKS for details or visit yankees.com slash publications. Lastly, of course, if you'd like to see our content online, get a taste of it at yankees.com slash magazine. And we're also on Twitter, at Yanks Magazine. That's it. See you next time, and go Yanks. Hey, this is Giancarlo Stan. If you like what you're hearing, why don't you rate and review us? And while you're at it, tell your friends to subscribe. Thanks so much, and go Yankees. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today.